0: I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas as well. It is good to have each one of you here. And for those of you who perhaps have come from out of town, maybe you're visiting with family, maybe some friends that you're with, it's great to have you here as well. We're delighted that you've come. This is a very, very special opportunity that we have on this day as we remember the birth of our Savior. Before we talk a little bit more about that, let me just express to you a word of appreciation that I received by way of a note uh... to our church family and you may not know that these things happen but uh... they do um, A family last week that uh... is neighbors of one of our church members um, had their house burned and um... we as a church were able to do some help with the benevolence giving that we have When there's a tragedy like this or there's a great need, we're able to step in and help with that. And they wanted me to express to our church, uh, on behalf of the Cody family, their appreciation for the help that we were able to give them. And I know that you'll want to continue to pray for them as they still go through some very difficult days in the loss of their home. Well, this is the season of giving. We think about the greatest gift of all, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think about the story of His birth. And as you think about that, maybe we can just, in our minds, take a trip back in time and and look with me, if you will, into the face of that baby. You, You pick up this baby and you look and emotions begin to take over your heart. And as you look into his face, there are questions that are going to come to mind. They would be very similar to the questions that we would ask today when a child is born into any of our families. You look at that child and you're you're thrilled that the Lord has brought this little one into your life. But maybe the little one is not well. And you look at that and you wonder, will, will this turn out to be okay? Or maybe the, the child is well. And you, you look and you say, I, I wonder what this child will become. I wonder if he or she will have a nice personality that will get along with other people. I, I wonder if they will become an asset to society, that they, will, that they will be a blessing and their presence here will not be something that's a drain, but rather a contribution to, to why they're here. I wonder what will happen. Why has this baby come? Well, when we look into the face of the baby Jesus, we know the overriding reason for which He came was to go to the cross and to become the sacrifice for our sins. We know that if someone said, why did Jesus come? We could tell them this. He came to die for our sins, to be buried, and to rise again from the dead. But folks, that's not the only reason he came. It's the greatest reason. It's the overriding reason from our perspective. But John captures in his gospel the answer that Jesus himself would give us if we were to look into that baby's face and say, Why have you come? As the years would pass, he would give us the answer. Open your Bibles, please, to the gospel of John. John chapter 6 is where we're going to begin. And in the 6th chapter of John, we, we have a phrase that is going to be repeated a number of times through this Gospel. And it's going to give us an answer that will broaden our perspective and broaden our understanding of why the baby Jesus came, why He lived, and then why He died and rose again from the dead. In John chapter 6, If you will please, look at verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Here's why Jesus came. For obedience. He came to obey the will of the Father. And when we think about that declaration that John made in quoting Jesus, we automatically transpose our thinking to that which is going to happen some years later when He is confronted with the cross. But that is not what the Scriptures teach us here. That is certainly included in everything else that Jesus did. He did according to the will of the Father. But there is a very specific uh, message that is brought in in this declaration of Jesus. If you go back up to verse 37, you read this. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. When you and I think about Christmas gifts, the, the, the question's been asked several times this morning. Have you opened your, your presents yet? Have you opened your gifts yet? And most have. Some of the, the folks here have not as yet. And and we think about the gift. And, and we, we see this as a reflection of the great gift that God the Father gave in His Son. But did you ever realize this? That if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a gift that the Father gave to the Son. Think about that. You are a gift. You were given by the Father according to His will as He drew you to Himself through Christ and the Father has given to the Son you, if you know Christ the Savior. And you. And you. I'm going to hear that echo from that side of the room. And I think he's got it. Is it a he or a she? It's a he. It's a he's got it. Okay. So, you've been, a, you've been given as a gift. Now, would you think about this? If you received a gift and it didn't work, would that not be a disappointment? A gift that's given to you is supposed to do what it was designed to do And the purpose for which the giver gave it to you. If, um, Let's say, for example, one of the kids was given a little remote control car. And the batteries that are lighting up all your sweaters were put into that car. And the child that received it is ready to go. And he presses the button for it to start and it doesn't go anywhere and he presses it again and it doesn't go anywhere. Then the next thing you do, you take it apart, you pull the batteries out, make sure you have the right polarity and you put them back in and say, "Yeah, I got the positive where that belongs, the negative where that belongs." Okay, now now we're all set. And you press it. And it doesn't work. Do you understand the disappointment that it must be to the Lord himself? When those who have been given to him by the Father are not doing what he has called them to do. We're not working. The batteries just aren't energizing us. Something's wrong. Can you imagine how joyful it is when the purpose for which you and I have been given as a gift from the Father to the Son that we function appropriately? that we function the way the Lord intended for us to function. You press the button that says forward, and off we go! And you take the turn, and you go around the pole, and then you turn this way, and then you stop it. And then you press the reverse button, and it goes backwards. And everything's working the way it's supposed to to work. That's exactly what the Lord wants from us. We are Christmas gifts from the Father to the Son. But there is more about that gift. Can you imagine being given some wonderful, valuable gift and then losing it? And saying, I don't know what happened to that gift. It's gone. Where did it go? And it would be heartbreaking, especially if it was something that was given to you by one that you loved and they loved you. And they gave you this gift as an expression of that love. But you lost it. You know what's a wonderful thing about our being given as a gift from the Father to the Son? He's not going to lose us. Did you read that? Did you notice? Look again. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all He has given me, I should lose nothing. Nothing. He will never let us go, even if we're not functioning properly. That doesn't give us an excuse not to function properly, but here's the good news. Our confidence, our security depends upon the strength and the wisdom and the purpose of God the Son who came to receive a gift and to fulfill in obedience the will of the Father in never losing that gift. And in addition to that, he says, in the last day, though you go through the experience of death because of the reality of sin that has cursed this world, I will raise you up in the last day. You and I don't capture this as we read this in our English translation, but the way this is originally written is with the I being extremely emphatic. And I myself will raise you up when you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's not going to lose you, and He guarantees in the last day, that body in which you live will be transformed, and He will raise you up to enjoy His presence forever. You're a gift. You're a gift. If you will, turn further in the book of John. Now I'm looking at the time here, And I will say this, I would not have changed a thing. I loved the way this service has gone this morning. This has been wonderful. And I really appreciate those of our staff who are still around and those who are part of our our ministry here that are still here, what you have done to put on a wonderful blessing. So please don't anybody uh, feel like, well, Pastor ran out of time. Here's the deal. If I can't finish this sermon today, I'm expecting you all back next Christmas. And we'll finish it up then. No, I'm just going to highlight a couple things here. And I think you're going to be able to put the meat on these bones for yourself. If you look at chapter 9, look down at verse 39. Another very important declaration that the Lord gives. In verse 39 of John chapter 9, He says this, And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Well, let's start taking this passage apart and looking at it in an appropriate fashion. He says, I have come for judgment. In what way did the Lord Jesus Christ come for judgment? He came to take the judgment that you and I deserve. We deserve eternal separation from our Creator because of the sinfulness not only of our nature, but also of our will. We choose to do things that are displeasing to a holy God. The only way that that can be atoned for, the only way forgiveness can be extended, the only way that we can enjoy the presence of our Creator for all eternity is for the price that we owe to be paid by a substitute who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who took our judgment so that we could be granted forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So he begins there. But in the context of what he's writing here and what he's speaking to, you remember that there was a man who was born blind? And I just want to touch on this very quickly. But the man was born blind. Jesus healed his blindness on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, who were looking for any way possible to discredit what Jesus Christ was accomplishing, were very upset that this healing took place on the Sabbath. And they tried to uh, persuade this man who had been healed to declare that Jesus was a sinner in light of what he did on the Sabbath, this day of rest. And of course, the Lord made it very clear that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath and to do a good work on that seventh day of the week was absolutely appropriate to do. Well, the Pharisees, they took this man and they said, uh, give God the glory. Well, he would give God the glory, the true and the living God, but that's not the God that they were looking to. And they they questioned him about Jesus and how he was healed, and they said, we don't know what this man is about. He He could be demonic in his being. And this fellow said to them, This is really an amazing thing. That you are spiritual leaders and you don't know about this guy. And they said, Well, what are you, one of his disciples? And he said, Listen, I know this. Before I couldn't see, but now I see. And he took a stand for what he knew to be true. He still was not convinced of the identity of the Savior, until we get a little bit further into this passage. Notice at verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, well, the Pharisees threw him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You know, this is one of those situations where not only was this man healed physically, but when he said, I believe, and he trusted in Christ, he saw clearly. You've often heard the phrase, seeing is believing. But the truth of the matter is, when we come to Jesus Christ, believing is seeing. When you believe in Him, All these things that didn't make sense before, the stuff that that seemed to be just so foreign to our way of thinking, suddenly you begin to realize there is an eternity. This life is not the final product of our existence. We, We are here to glorify our God. He's not there to glorify us. And you begin to see clearly. And as the Lord gave physical sight to this blind man, now He gives this man spiritual sight. And that's why He says there in verse 39, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see. You know what? When you trusted Christ as Savior, can't you testify personally that the things that before you trusted Christ, that didn't make any sense, all of a sudden, it all lined up. Now I get it. Now I understand. But there are those who say this, I don't buy this. There are going to be people all over the world today who are going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus who don't know the Savior. And they're gonna know that a baby was born, and they're gonna sing about that baby, and they're gonna, they're gonna even talk at Easter time. They'll be, they'll be back in church again on Easter. And, and Easter time, they're gonna be celebrating, oh, Jesus rose from the dead, isn't that great? Well, you know what, I tried Jesus, and, and it didn't really work out. That's because they tried Jesus to be their own benefactor, thinking that He is there for them. When the reality is, we are here for Him. We are here to glorify His name. But those who are blind, who who recognize, I don't have life, when they believe, their eyes are open, and they understand that Jesus came to save them and to forgive their sins. But those who say, oh no, I see. I can take care of myself. I can do all the, these good things that, that God will be pleased with. And listen... God's a God of love. When when it comes time to the judgment, I'm going to do more good things than bad. Yeah, I know I've done bad things. That's that's okay. I'm going to weigh the balance over here. And and I'm going to be able to take care of myself. I'll come on my terms. And the Lord says, those who say they see will be made blind. They're not going to see that life. They're not going to see the Savior for who He is. But they will be abandoned in their disbelief. Their unbelief. So Jesus said, I've come so that the blind, somebody like me, somebody who needed a Savior, would see. That's not the only reason he came. Look over in chapter 10, very quickly. Verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He came for obedience. He came for judgment. And he came for, and I'm not going to use the word life because that's not strong enough. He came for vitality. My wife and I just got back from a cruise. And I believe they offer everything the world has to offer on a cruise that would satisfy, quote unquote, the passions and the desires. Of the people that go on the cruise, uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean there is entertainment coming out your ears. You can you can go to shows, you can go to programs, you can even participate in them. You can you can drink yourself into a stupor, and that's kind of a big deal. Getting drunk, staying up late at night, partying. Then you walk through the casino, and it's boy, I can drop my pennies, pennies, (laughs) my whatever you drop into the machines and I can roll the dice and I can spin the wheel and I can play the blackjack and I can do all of these things. And boy, at the end of the day, what a great day this was. Then I've got to do it all over again tomorrow because that does not satisfy. Uh, Listen, don't anybody get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's not fun to do those things. I really think it is. Um, I've never been drunk, but I would imagine that's kind of a neat feeling. Until you... <laughs> I imagine it's really thrilling if you hit it on the... Whatever. <laughs> Folks, you got to understand, I'm... What do you call those things? Slot machines on the slot machine. Uh, Listen, I I think people that are out partying and and dancing around and all this stuff, that's not bad if you're dancing with your wife, but that's not usually the way it goes. And and so there are all these things. Yes, they make you happy for a time, and then it stops. And then you have to do it again. And you have to do it again. And you have to do it again. And when it's all done, it's done. It's done. It is passing away and it will never satisfy. Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it more abundantly. I give everything that makes life worth living. And it isn't partying until I'm skunk drunk, and it isn't even winning the lottery. Those things are all passing away. But you know what? We had the privilege of finding believers everywhere we went on the ship. We had one family. We prayed before we were eating and we were at a table for two. They're sitting at a table for six and the and the man as soon as we're done praying he looks over he says, "Let's pray." And they grab our hands and, and we make we blocking the, the waiters. And we're, we're sitting there and we're praying and they have a little four-year-old son and he led in prayer and then the next night the other son led in prayer and then they finally let the pastor and they figured, well, okay, the next night I prayed. And it was just, it, it was neat. But you know what? Here are people I may never see again here, but because of the common bond we have in Christ, you have an eternity together. Everywhere we went, we found other believers that we could fellowship with instantly. And the only thing that satisfies is what I have found in Christ. I don't have to look anyplace else. If you eat this bread, you will never hunger again. I'm not looking for any other gods. I'm not looking for anything else other than Jesus. And those of you who don't know Christ the Savior, you don't get it. You don't understand how satisfying it is to know that what you have in your heart and in your spirit is the reality that you have a Savior who's alive, who's taking you to be with Him forever. You don't get it. And you keep living the same old rat race. And you're like, what do you call them? The hamsters. The hamsters in the wheels and you're running and you're running and you got the same thing and I got drunk tonight and I'll get drunk again next week and I'll get drunk again the next week and there are people that live like that and if, if you're a drunk I'm not picking on you I'm identifying one specific reality that nothing in this life satisfies but Jesus does I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly the last two issues I can't develop and I, I wish I could he came for illumination to give light in chapter 12 verse 46 and you can write this down and then he came for witness a witness to the truth in chapter 18 verse 37 I just want to mention this about the light some of you here may have toyed with Jesus here here's one of the sad things that I see as a pastor I see people who Make a profession of faith in Christ. But their lives are absolutely a mess. They live in sin. They live in rebellion. They live in disobedience. Jesus said, I am come as the light. If you see me, you see the Father. And the light from the Father that comes through me can enlighten you. Can bring understanding to you. But here's the bottom line. When the light comes, what happens to the darkness? It's gone. It flees. It goes away. That's the way it is with light and darkness. The two do not mutually coexist. And some of you who say you know Christ, but your lives are a mess... You're living lives for self-gratification? You're rebellious? You don't want God to tell you what to do? Here's what I can tell you. You don't have the light. Because when you have the light, the darkness flees. So don't think for a moment that you are one of the children of God. The gift that God the Father gave to His Son. Don't deceive yourself. Just admit it. I am in darkness. I have not been given by the Father to the Son. I am lost. And I'm on my way to hell forever. That is the truth. Merry Christmas. Truth is, this can be a Merry Christmas. Because when you're willing to humble yourself... And reach out in faith and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. The darkness flees. The darkness flees. You become a gift that the Father gives to the Son. And the Son says, I'm not going to lose you. And in the last day, I'm going to raise you up. You belong to the Son. This babe who grew and said, I have come. I have come for obedience. I've come for judgment. I've come for vitality. I've come for illumination. I've come for witness. And I've come to die for your sins on the cross and rise again from the dead so that you can have life. That's the Jesus we worship today. In simple faith, trusting in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, brings into your life the light of the gospel and the blessing of eternal life that is abundant. And it's the best life there is to live, both now and forever. Amen. Let's stand. Father, what a privilege it is to have this day to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, the Savior, who came to set us free from the bondage of sin and to take us into the realm of light for all eternity. I pray, Father, that those who have not yet trusted Christ as their Savior, would be able to understand the greatness of this gift and the eternal value that's found in trusting Christ as Savior. Thank you, Father, for this time, for this celebration, for this hope. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen.